Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 349. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent Dam. And I am Jamie Frevely, a.k.a. Agent Hydrated. Thank goodness. Oh, good. Yes, it is a scorcher out there. It is an armpit outside. I am so angry all morning long. When I get to work and it's like, oh, there's air conditioning. My poor cats, they just lay around oh. looking at me like, why did you do this? I'm like, I didn't do this. They're like, you did this to us. It's too hot. We have fur. It's awful. Yeah. My, see, my dog, I adopted her from Texas, but she takes after me mm. where she likes a temperate climate. And I can see that first humid day of the summer. She just skulks outside. She yeah. hates it. It's a whole animal family of heat rage on this week in Marvel. Yeah. Anyway, happy release day for Marvel Studios Ant-Man and the Wasp. This cool. is it. This is the time. It's now. I've seen the movie at the time of recording twice. And I loved it so much more the second time. Like, I loved it the first time, but the second time I was like, oh, just so good and seeing it with a crowd. And you saw it. Yes, I did. I saw it this week. And oof, man. First of all, great change of pace after Avengers, which, you know, obviously we all love Marvel Studios, Avengers Infinity War. Great movie. But, you know, ended on somewhat of a tragic, upsetting note. Marvel Studios Ant-Man and the Wasp, a little different, a little bit of a pick-me-up. Yeah, and, uh, it, it, probably the funniest movie we've seen out of the 20 movies from the MCU. Hilarious. Yeah, I hope you guys get to see it this week. I know some of you internationally don't get to see it right away, but it's okay. The movie's we're, coming. It's okay, we're not, it. we're not bragging. You're going to get it. Yeah. Marvel Games is celebrating some cool Ant-Man and the Wasp events across so many games. You've got Marvel Strike Force, Marvel Puzzle Quest, Marvel Avengers Academy, Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, Marvel Future Fight, and Marvel Contest of Champions. All of them have cool Ant-Man or and and or the Wasp events going on. It's really, really neat. We have an article on Marvel.com that sort of details all those things. Make sure to put that in the show notes and on the uh, link to it in our article for this episode. But it's super cool. I'm, as you guys know, I'm playing Marvel Strike Force, and so we're trying hard to get Ant-Man right now. Wasp hasn't come to the game yet, but Ant-Man, he has this cool move. One cool move where he shrinks down, and then he like punches people as Ant-Man, and then you can't hit him. And also he makes it so the enemy can't do anything. It's great. And then he grows to giant man size in one of his other moves and he just stomps everybody and makes him real slow. Ooh. It's great. It's a lot Very of fun. Cool. Does yeah. he does he shrink down to that kind of I'm not gonna spoil too much, but does he shrink down to that one awkward size? at all because that kind of could work you could use that to his advantage evil producer brandon is like what are you guys talking about i decided not to go this night because i wanted to see it with my friends guys don't be like brandon yeah don't be like don't just see it by yourself yeah don't wait to see it with people you love take every opportunity to do it before everybody else i would have just seen this by myself (laughs) i do that all the time yeah you don't have oh, to share your food. I love a movie by yourself. Oh, it's the best. Delightful. Also delightful, the first episode of our new series, Marvel University. That's up now, and it's hosted by former NFL player John Urschel, who I had no idea. You know, I'm not a big sport man, so I only know him now from this. And he is going for his PhD <laughs> at MIT. So awesome. Which is legit. That's so legit. Crazy. He's hosting the show. And the fun one this episode is him going to the Los Angeles uh, Museum of Natural History and talking to their entomologist about the science around Ant-Man. ants. Ants. Yeah. yeah. It's so cool. I actually I, I wrote that one up myself. And it was a really enjoyable watch. And I can't wait for the next one because this is one of my favorite things about Marvel comics and characters and stories is where they come from in science. For me, science fiction is extra fun when it's grounded in something that's real. 
that can go awry or go to places we never imagined. And in the case of ants, like I sometimes every year get a lot of ant roommates who don't pay rent and it's really rude and I want them out. But you know what? Respect. Respect those ants. They come in in droves. They kind of are disgusting. I had to put it this way. If they're on my turf, I can kill them. If they're outside, that's their turf. They they may live. That sounds much darker than you wanted to. If well, they're on my turf, I can kill them. I'm a the scary. The Jamie story. I'm a scary lady. Yeah. Well, spiders spiders are welcome. Yeah. Um, they're scary. I don't want them in my shower. I prefer they didn't go there. I think it was a centipede in my shower once. All right, we're done with this part. Yeah. Uh, just go check out that episode of Marvel University and stay tuned for more. All on Marvel.com. Also on Marvel.com, uh, we put together this awesome Marvel size chart. Jamie, did you see this one? I did. The size chart is dope. It goes down from Ant Man to the Wasps. Thing, Howard the Duck, Moon Girl, Rocket Raccoon, Lockjaw, Ms. Marvel, Mantis, Black Widow, Vision, Spider-Man, Hank Pym, Black Panther, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, She-Hulk, Hulk, Devil Dinosaur, Groot, Goliath, to Giant Man. It's awesome. Giant Man is bigger than Devil Dinosaur? Oh, yeah. This doesn't even get into, like, Galactus and Celestials. And then Eternity, which is the embodiment of all reality, so... That is pretty big. Conceptually bigger than anything. That's yeah. Yeah. Think about that. Is that what you call it? Quantumly large? I don't really. Quantum is so interesting, but yet beyond me. Just put quantum in front of everything. Okay. So, I have <laughs> quantum Doritos. Good. I want a quantum taco. I am wearing some quantum sneakers. Uh, so, so many cool things happening around Ant-Man and the Wasp right now. So check it all out. All this stuff will be on Marvel.com and we'll put it in the article. Next week is our big 350th episode spectacular. And I think this will be sort of the start of us doing some fun stuff with the show, changing it up a little bit, adding some new elements. If you like big anniversary issues of comics, we're going to celebrate some of those next episode. But... What is happening right now, we are talking to Javier Garon on this episode. He's our interview. We're going to get to that a little bit later. He is a delight. I had such a fun time talking with him. But before we get to that, we need to talk about the new comics out this week. Yeah, we do. Uh, Get a little hyped for three books in particular. For those of you keeping score and want to read the books before we get into them, we're going to talk about Captain America number one, Mm -hmm. Immortal Hulk number two, and Marvel Rising, Squirrel Girl, Ms. Marvel number one. Those are our picks. Take a breath. Check those out and then come back with us in a second. All right. And now we are ready to dive into these books. Immortal Hulk number one. Let's start with that one because Jamie said some troubling things that we're not going to repeat off off air. Look, (laughs) this comes from me being a fan of true crime and a follower of many dark and disturbing shows throughout my entire youth and young adulthood and now older adulthood. I love this stuff and I like disturbing stories. Yes. And this one is disturbing. Immortal Hulk number two is written by Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett, Roy Jose, Paul Mounts with letters by VCs Corey Petit and Travis Lanham. Beautiful, drop-dead gorgeous cover by Alex yeah. Ross. Holy frijoles. I remember we were, I was hearing about this book way back when, and Tom Brevoort was so excited for the covers on top of everything else because he said that Alex Ross Loved the concept, loved the stories that were coming in, and was diving into this book with such a fervor and and really like throwing himself into doing some interesting ideas and perspectives on these covers. And you can see that this cover here, you've got this this radioactive type man choking somebody, and the Hulk is coming out from the water below. It's it it fits into the story so well, but it also 
exists on its own as this beautiful piece of art. I love Alex Ross's art. Actually, I didn't even recognize this as his because I'm used to seeing the more like, like your Captain America, your kind of epic, kind of portraity things. Mm-hmm. This is this reminded me of an Evil Dead poster. This reminded me of a 70s, 80s horror movie poster yeah. in the best way because I love those posters. They're so they're gripping, they're terrifying, they're suspenseful, and there's story going on in this one. And it's just it really colors what you're going to read in the book. So it's oh. Yes, it sets such a tone. Totally. And the first book, the first issue really established that tone of what's happening. It's a scary, weird book. You've got Hulk and Banner. And Hulk is not the Hulk that we've seen recently. You you know, we've seen Hulk in many iterations. The original Hulk, he was this gray Hulk. And he wasn't dumb. He was kind of weird and dark, similar-ish to this one. And that is very much the inspiration for what Al is going for here. But he's also, he's smart. He's not book smart. He's not a scientist smart. That's still Banner. But he's like this calculating, clever, not nefarious, because he's not evil, Hulk. But yeah. he is, he's just someone you don't want to cross. No, you wouldn't want to make him angry. No. It really, really, like, <laughs> really that is... You don't want to make him angry. And that, they haven't even used that line, I don't think, in this. No. But it, it really fits for this one. And this issue really gives you that sense of of, of the differences between Banner and Hulk a lot more. There's a wonderful thing where Banner is talking about how the Hulk comes out at night. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's just so creepy. It's just so gnarly and, like, a cool concept of the the nighttime is Hulk's time. Yeah. It just be Just watch out. This sets up so many possibilities. Oh, for sure. What I actually really liked about this was when Banner is sort of trying to calm himself down and savor being Bruce Banner, just as Bruce Banner without the Hulk. And he's sort of meditatively eating in a diner. And when at my last job, we actually learned about something called mindful eating. And I always thought it was a little gross. But um, he's what he's doing is savoring. It's like, imagine how the food is in your mouth. And I don't want to. Runny eggs just... <laughs> Getting in between your teeth. Yeah. Yeah. But the way this is not as gross as that. This is actually very, like I said, meditative. And it's Bruce. This is him controlling the Hulk. But he's doing it in a way that actually brings him peace and isn't 100% control. It's probably a good 80 20 split of peace for Bruce and keeping the Hulk at bay. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. Also, let's talk about the uh, shout out of the diner. Yeah, the yeah. Buscema's uh, diner. Shout out to legendary Marvel artist John Buscema, uh, which is cool. Stuff. Just the Buscema family. There's uh, actually multiple generations. John, Sal. Stephanie. Stephanie. I know yeah. I've, I'm familiar with Stephanie. She is a Huntington girl. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I was commenting on before we hit record that was disturbing is that there's a story there's like a small town death that occurs and it's very tragic and there's a quote in the beginning from the bible that says all that a man hath will he give for his life and it's from job and it's one of those really cool quotes that applies not just to that story but to bruce and the hulk and the struggle that he's going through that whole like man versus monster man or monster struggle is just all i'm all about it yeah. All about it. And Bruce gets wrapped into this the story that you were talking about of this 
death in this town. And that's the the sort of like beginnings of the, the Hulk TV show vibe of like a new story. He's going from town to town. He's going and he just gets wrapped up in this. And then it becomes very X-Files-y. And by the end, there's a very big Twilight Zone feel to what happens in this conversation that Hulk has with this other person and the ramifications of that conversation and the world. Oh, well, it's going to deeper, darker places, and it's just like, how deep and dark is it going to get? Yeah. Oh, and we didn't even really talk enough about the art in here by Joe Bennett, Roy Jose, oh, and great. Paul Mounts, but it is, it's tremendous, and it, it yeah. continues to sell the sense of scale of Hulk and the horror. We get these a lot of close-ups on Hulk's face, and every time it's so arresting. I oh, love it. Our next book is your pick of the week, Jamie. It's Captain yes. America number one. This is the first issue by ta Coates. My summary of this cannot do it justice, so we're going to do a skim and let you do the reading because this is setting up for something, you know, in true Captain America form, something really big, epic, and sweeping. Like, there's something really big going on, and it starts out with a very mysterious blonde <laughs> who is, she's Russian, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so the, the, the thing to note about this one is there was a free comic book day issue that came out in May. It's almost like a prelude to this story. Uh, it gives you the beginning events of the fight that Captain America has in this issue. And it starts to set up some of the elements of this shadowy group, which are called the power elite. So we get a sense of those. And one of the power elite here is Celine, which is cool because Tanahasi is a huge longtime Marvel fan. I remember in the creative retreat, uh, the last one he was in that I was in, he was so excited about working with Laniel Francis Yu, who is the artist on this. He was just delighted because Laniel's work is like an incredible run on New Avengers, on Secret Empire, on so many books. This feels like Laniel in, in that time frame, like just killing it, crushing it. But Celine is this longtime X-Men villain. She's got these like soul-sucking powers, is, if I remember correctly. Isn't she a sort of like culty figure? Like there are Celine worshippers? Kind of, yeah, because she's immortal. She's an external. Okay. Uh, and she, she, she's been around for a long time. She's very hard to kill. She's very dangerous, very calculating and plotting and powerful. So her being in this is both a sign of ta being like, I'm going to play with some cool toys and mm. also like I've got major plans. Yeah, I feel like this first issue is a really good setup for that because we also see Captain America fighting something kind of crazy in DC. He's fighting a battle. It turns out to be cyborgs. Is that a secret? That no, no, it's cyborgs. It's, they're they're nuke soldiers. Okay, so they are the original nuke story that came out of Born Again, the Frank Miller, David Mazzucchelli Daredevil story, mm-hmm. ended with Nuke, this character who was. An experiment, like they've tried to recreate the experiment that made Steve Rogers. Instead, they got Nuke. And Nuke was a super soldier. He was uh, an American who they gave, basically gave red pills and blue pills and white pills to. And the pills turned him into a monstrous super soldier killing machine for America. He's got a friggin' American flag tattooed on his face. And then this story gets a bunch of new versions of Nuke dropped into the National Mall in Washington, D.C., and just going to town. And it's it's so intense, but it's also such, such a heartbreaking thing because you think yeah. about it, these guys are, they're sort of brainwashed and told like, hey, you have to, you're fighting for America. Uh, that's your enemy. 
but they they don't have the ability to understand that they're being lied to, they're being manipulated. And Cap's even here, like, guys, I'm not with yeah. you know, like we're on the same side. Please don't do this. Like he we're fighting tries... for the same thing. Yeah, yeah. He tries to reason with them. And there's there are horrible consequences when there's a battle like this that I guess they just can't really compute because they they've been programmed to not consider what they're doing. Yeah. But I'm psyched that Ta-Nehisi Coates is writing this because yeah. I'm just I was so curious about what he was going to do with Captain America. Yeah. I mean, we've got Sharon back. We got Bucky side by Bucky. side. Like there's great shots in here. Again, Laniel doing such cool work. There there's shots of him where he draws Bucky Sniper rifle backing up Cap, which I just love that dynamic. Yeah. And then there's another one where Cap's like, all right, the fuzz is here. Bucky, yeah. <laughs> take a powder, go. And then there's this beautiful shot of Bucky on the run, knowing that he has to get out of there. Getting captured will not help anyone. No. Think about the place that Captain America's in right now in the Marvel Universe. He had spent so much time being the hero, as many times he's he's given up the mantle, came back, blah, 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 died, come back, all this stuff. And then he, he came back only to have this evil version of him subvert everything he believes in, yeah. subjugate America under Hydra, wearing his face, his costume, his ideals, and he has to come from under that. How do, how do you fight back against that when the country doesn't really trust you? Yeah, that's what I think is so compelling about Captain America is that he – Captain America represents something so iconic and huge and universal, kind of. He's still, at the at his heart, Steve Rogers, that skinny kid who volunteered. Like, that guy is still there. And mm-hmm. I think that's what makes Captain America so important to me. Because he's still that kid who's trying to do the right thing. But he's still vulnerable. And he can still be manipulated and taken advantage of, even with all those muscles. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, on the the video version of Marvel's The Pullist, Tucker talked about ta being the right person to handle this kind of story. The philosophical, cultural, political yeah. discussions around all this makes perfect sense. But he also hits the humanity of who Captain America is. There's a scene where there's a father and a son and the father gets injured in the fight. And there's like the time that Cap spends to talk to the boy to make sure that he's okay, he understands his dad's going to be okay. There's a scene of Cap helping people in the aftermath of this fight. Like All of that is so important in reminding you that Captain America is this symbol, he's this force, he's this powerhouse, but he's also the heart of our country, and he is he's us, he's there with us, he's going to be there when you need him. It's really, uh, love this issue. Uh, my second pick is Marvel Rising, Squirrel Girl, and Ms. Marvel. This one surprised the heck out of me because I just didn't know what to expect. And this is like getting new issues of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl and Ms. Marvel in the same book, in the same week, bonuses for both of those because it's so cool. The book is split in half, right? The first half is written by Ryan North with Devin Grayson, and that is the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl section. It's drawn by Irene Strokowski with colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. The second half is our Ms. Marvel part, and that is written by G. Willow Wilson with Devin Grayson and art by Ramon Box. Clayton Cowles handles the lettering for all of it. Rochelle's on coloring for all of it. But you get all the things that you want out of an Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. You get, you know, the regular cast members interacting with Ms. Marvel for the first time, like Chipmunk Hunk, Losing his mind over meeting Ms. Marvel 
is one of my favorite things. And Koi Boy just being like, what's up? I talked to fish. I'm cool. I'm the best. All of those interactions, really, really wonderful. We get the jokes and the um, the bottom of the page extra content that we do in a regular issue of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, which so good. The Ms. Marvel half has all the teen drama action, the comedy you want, and the great video game references that Willow always tosses hmm. in. She's like such a huge gamer that so there was like really funny uh, references to like parodies of Skyrim and Final <laughs> Fantasy in here that I ate up like it was a tasty, delicious sandwich. This book, uh, I talked about it on Marvel's The Pull List, but I'm going to repeat it here in case you didn't hear that. There's a scene in this book with Ms. Marvel embiggened spinning Squirrel Girl around like a bola in order to throw her at a giant robot while Squirrel Girl yells, this is what heroism looks like. That's hilarious. That's, this is the team up the world needs. I love it. And plus, it's got America Chavez is in here. We get to see Inferno. We get great art. We got cool new villain, like this video game themed villain that they're fighting against. There's computer science because that's part of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. There's every aspect that you like from the main books is here in this. I hope this book and Marvel Rising helps introduce so many people, especially uh, young girls and young kids to Squirrel Girl, Ms. Marvel, all these characters. Because then everybody else will realize why they're so dang cool. I'll bet if I get my cousin, my 12-year-old cousin Julia, to read it, that'll give me good incentive. Do it. She's she's good with science. She's a great little artist. She's, oh, you got to get yeah. her into Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Totally. Yes. Totally. Uh, those are our picks for the week. If you want to hear about all the books that we talked about this week, you can check out Marvel's The Pull List. I know you had some issues with Mr. Donny Cates. Yeah. He's on my snick list. Yeah. We won't say anything more. I'm not going to say, but I, I just will say it's related to Death of the Inhumans, which was really great. Yes. And I remember reading, I follow Donnie on Twitter because I like following writers on Twitter. They inspire me on a daily basis. And uh, I remember a while ago, Donnie Cates was saying that he was writing Death of the Inhumans and like crying in public. And I now I understand why and I'm kind of mad at him. I don't know if this is why he was crying, but the entire premise behind Death of the Inhumans is very tragic and troubling and upsetting, uh, but it's the ending that made me really not happy. You committed a mortal sin, Donnie Cates. <laughs> Damn you, Donnie. Damn you, Donnie Cates. You know what you did. Well, Donnie, you're going to break our hearts, but we're hyped about so many things this week. Uh, we're, we are talking about Marvel Powers United VR, which just got its release date. That was announced recently. It is coming out July 26th on the Oculus Rift. It was announced that there will be 18 superheroes, 8 villains, 10 locations. 8 of the heroes have been revealed so far. Captain Marvel, Hulk, Rocket Raccoon, Deadpool, Black Bolt, Crystal Thor, and Black Panther. I have played this game a bunch of times over the last year. I will have a lot more to say about this in time. It's a very exciting game. It is really like one of my only experiences with VR. Yeah. And it is incredible. I saw a video about this and it looks so interesting that even I want to try it. I will die immediately. I will no, lose. No, you won't. No? No, it's actually, it's super intuitive. And <laughs> even easy I to, can do it? <laughs> 100%. It, it, it boggles the mind how easy it is to pick up and like start, like if you're Captain Marvel, just starting to fly and go around and then blasting things. Wow. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just generally got so excited about thinking about that. 
It's wild. Uh, lots more to come when we get to that July 26th release date. Speaking of Marvel games, it has been announced that the Marvel games panel at Comic-Con will be in Hall H. That is Thursday, July 19th, 1 to 2 p.m. And it's hosted by everybody's best friend, Greg Miller of Kinda Funny Games. Get hyped for this one. I know a bunch of the things that they have planned for this. We have some calls to get ready for it. It's good times. Now, this is my first San Diego Comic-Con, which yeah. I'm super excited about. But from what I understand, isn't Hall H a pretty big deal? It's like 6,000 people. That's a very large amount of people. People wait for hours, sometimes days, to get into Hall H. Wow. To sit there and watch people talk. And it's amazing the dedication that people have to hanging out in a room for hours. They have their own bathroom. They have their own, like, refreshments area. Because if you're in there, you're in there. You Mm -hmm. can't leave. But it's super cool. It's our first time with Marvel Games and Hall H. I'm very excited for it. I'll most likely be, hopefully, be in the room live tweeting the panel and getting excited and hyped with everybody. Yeah. And if you want to get more information about Marvel at Comic-Con, you can visit our news site, marvel.com, for the latest. And uh, keep following. Watch that space. We're going to keep getting more and more updates. You're going to find out what we're going to be doing, where Ryan and I will be, because we're both going to be there bopping around along with your other favorite Marvel hosts. On the all the San Diego stuff, some of the things that we've already posted there are uh, a bunch of cool details about what Marvel Television and uh, Marvel Animation are bringing to Comic-Con. I know that Marvel Rising has a panel on Thursday, 315 to 415 in Room 60E. That one's going to be cool because there's, there's announcements and, and cool guests. Marvel's Iron Fist has a Ballroom 20 panel. I'm excited. I'm really actually pretty excited for the season, especially the ending is going to be really surprising and, and fun and yes. lo- lots more to learn about when we get to Comic-Con. There's this cool fan activation throughout the entire convention at Petco Park for Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. I won't detail all that, but you should definitely check out all that if you're going to be there. Petco is right across the street, so it's easy to find. Friday, there's a panel for Marvel's Cloak and Dagger in Ballroom 20. Saturday, there's a Ballroom 20 panel for The Gifted. Sunday, there's a Marvel Animation Presents panel in 6A. And then Legion on Sunday helps close out the convention with a Hall H panel. So we are rocking and rolling. There's signings. There's lots of details. All of this is on Marvel.com. And we're also going to have lots of stuff that you guys can buy at the convention if you're going. I know Hasbro has revealed uh, through us the Marvel Legends Defenders Rail Authority 5-pack, which is dope. It's Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Colleen Wing. You guys can see pictures of of this set. It's going to be great. And it's it is available at the convention, but there will be limited quantities available at HasbroToyShop.com after the show. And then Diamond Select Toys, new reveals about some of the stuff that they're bringing. There's a cool Grey Hulk PVC diorama, really awesome white Phoenix Jean Grey. That Ooh. looks super cool. The one that I really want is the X-23 is Wolverine Unmasked PVC diorama one because I just I love that book so much. Uh, hope fingers crossed I get to meet my friend Tom Taylor in in the flesh for the first time. That would be great. So much stuff is happening, you guys. We're going to be adding so many more stories and details about our plans for Comic Con over the next couple of weeks. It's so soon. Mm-hmm. It's it's two weeks from tomorrow. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fine. Yes. <laughs> You know, with Comic-Con coming up, there's so many companies going and so many people who have to staff up 
for for a big show like this, whether it's on the floor or handling work back at headquarters, wherever it is. Thankfully, there's our advertiser this week, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they do not stop there. They use this really cool, powerful matching technology, and they scan thousands of resumes to find people that fit the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. So whether you need someone to staff a booth or you need someone to handle customer service or you need someone to fill orders, all the stuff that sort of balloons around Comic-Con, as applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes all of them and spotlights those right candidates to get you the matches up front. It's so effective, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within their first day, which so, is really helpful because yeah. we are two weeks out from Comic-Con. We are two weeks out, and you can even wait until the last minute if you really have to. I would suggest not. I would suggest you don't, but in case you need that extra like couple of people, ZipRecruiter could probably find you one real snappy quick. Yes. With results like all of that, it's no wonder ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at the exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash week. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash W-E-E-K. ZipRecruiter.com slash week. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, so everybody's getting ready for Comic-Con, but I had the opportunity to talk to our guest at C2E2 in Chicago a little bit ago. We've been holding on to this one for this week. As everybody's talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, we're in issue number three of the comic book series, and this week talking to Javier Garon, artist for the book. And I love him because his art is great, mm-hmm. but I adore him because he is a sweetheart. Aww. We had the like the best conversation. We had met literally for the first time as we sat down to talk, and we were then talking about like visiting each other and like all this other stuff. He's from uh, from Spain. It's not a huge country, uh, and there's a bunch of really talented Spanish artists that we have here at Marvel. So we got into David some Baldion. Yes, oh, boy. We had some great conversations around. Uh, you know, his fellow artists, him breaking into the industry, just working on the book, working with Mark Wade, all of that stuff. I, yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough of Javier and his work and the detail that he puts into things. There's a panel in this week, we talk about it on the poll list this week, but there's a panel that he does in this most recent issue where he just frames the panel with this like leafy, um, I, I don't just framework right it looks like you know just a beautiful decorative artwork there's no need for it but he goes above and beyond to put that kind of care and love into his artwork and it shows Uh, he's just the best so check out this interview with javier garon artist of ant-man and the wasp literally we pulled you off the stage here at c2e2 from the young guns panel what was that like? Well, it was it was really, really, really crowded. I mean, the fans are the best, and we had like a, we had a really, really, really good time. In fact, they had they had to cut us like, guys, you need to stop because we have another thing planned here, <laughs> and we had to kind of hit the the stop button. Yeah. So because there was so many people, and we were trying all to do sketches for everybody and, and signs. Incredibly fun. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you know Pepe. Uh, yeah, a bit. A bit. I, bet, I, I, just, I, just, I just met him just uh, right before the trip here to Chicago. Really? Yeah. I don't know almost anybody. Really? Yeah, because, you know, this job is very, it's a very lonely job. 
which is, I think, something that all artists say. We are all the day working at home, or if you have an office, maybe you can share it with other people so you see other human beings. But not in my case. So <laughs> I speak a lot alone with myself and <laughs> with the plants, with Rita, Margarita, and with my imaginary cat, which tells a lot about myself. Imaginary cat? <laughs> no. no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I just made that up. And no, I don't make that up. And <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I don't know much people from the comic book world. I've been attending New York Comic Con for a few years, so yeah. I've got the chance to meet somebody. Yeah. But back in Spain, I almost doesn't know much people. Yeah, I've been to Barcelona once oh. uh, for Barcelona Con. Gosh, it was 2010, maybe. It's a long, a couple years ago. Oh, great! Uh, it was. I loved it. I loved the city, <laughs> the great. food, the people. It was great. I love your city. I'm so happy to hear that. It's a great city. It has a little bit of everything. It has a little bit of mountain, a little bit of beach, and the food is really good. How did you break into comics in Spain? What was your trajectory joining into the industry? Well, actually, I didn't break into comics in Spain, and I just broke into comics. Justin, <laughs> I mean, I started, I started doing web comics, mm -hmm. my own web comics, okay. my comic strips, sure. and I, doing, I started doing strips for comic news websites. Okay. I started making my own projects, but nobody seemed really interested, mm -hmm. and they, or, or, or they started showing some interest, and at some point, that interest, I don't know why it disappeared. So I spent a lot, of, a lot of time doing that, and I reached to a point where I said, well, maybe I, and I, I started doing sample pages for the American market too, and I tried to do a little bit of both, and it reached, it reached a point where I, I realized that the Spanish market, well, wasn't, well, it wasn't interesting to me. So I focused only on trying to get into the American market, and I spent almost 10 years doing sample pages. And nothing worked out. And I was uh, beginning to feel despair, to realize that maybe, maybe destiny was telling me that this wasn't made for me. And even though I loved it, um, I wasn't going to make it. So we reached, it was 2014, I think it was. I left my half-day job at one point. During these 10 years, the ninth year, I, I was saving money. I got some money saved and I said, okay, let, let's do this full throttle. If I sink, I will sink, but I will sink to the rock bottom of this. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to crash, I'm going to crash at full speed. So uh, <laughs> I saved some money and I quit my job and I, I was like fully committed all day doing sample pages. And it reached a point that, that I had only money for six more months. And I said, six months, and then I'm done with this. This is it. I've tried. I can go happy saying, you know, I tried my best, and I didn't manage to get into comics. So I started that final period. And three months before my money ran out and my, my limit time was reached, I, I sent every week four pages to almost, I don't know, 80 editors from every single American publisher. And maybe the best week I got seven answers, six answers, something, something like that. And just three months before I quit, Katie Cooper uh, gave me a chance. And I haven't stopped since. That's great. Katie's the best. I mean, uh, my family asks, 
How's Katie? Oh, that's great. <laughs> Do you talk with Katie? And they ask me every, every time that I talk with them. And she started in the X-Men books and she gave me Cyclops. So that was my first book. Greg Rooker and Russell Dowderman were leaving the book and they gave John Lyman and me the book. So we stayed for seven or eight months till the run finished. And then I jumped into Inferno, Secret Wars. Then I started Secret Wars in Inferno, then Star-Lord, then Secret Warriors, a lot of things in between, and now Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. One of the things that I am amazed, I adore your work. I think it's incredible. Thank um, you so much. You, I don't know how you do it, because there's so much on a page you include so many, and part of this, I think, is, you know, like a guy like Matthew Rosenberg. He <laughs> is a monster. He, yeah, uh, the he, best. He's, so I, look, I adore him. He's a, he's a good friend of mine, but he's a monster. The number <laughs> of characters he puts on any given page, he's just cramming all the characters, <laughs> all his ideas. I loved it. You I do. loved it. I loved it because you took Secret Warriors 1, just talking about the stuff that I did with him, yeah. not talking about all the rest sure. of amazing book that he has done for Marvel, but just talking about Secret Warriors, that's the one book that I can talk about process and, and everything. And just reading one month of the book, you had so much things going on. It's like really rewarding as, an, as a reader, knowing that the characters go, go from one place to another, then, then another thing happens, then they meet this guy, then they meet that guy, then that happened, then that, another thing happened, and it's a lot of things going on, but it doesn't feel like overwhelming or messy, that powerful skill that he has, is that it feels natural and really well paced, but it happens a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, a lot of locations, a, a lot, lot of, of events. A lot of characters. So many characters, yeah. and, and you know, one of the things that I'm excited for is to see you have a book with fewer characters. <laughs> Just because I, I think you have such skill and detail and emotion and, and portraying a scene, but sometimes you need to get eight characters in, yeah, in a yeah. frame and you're, you know, you're doing all these things when you have Ant-Man and the Wasp as your core characters. Yeah. I feel like that could give you a lot of a lot more room to tell interesting things around them, as opposed to trying to make sure you get everybody and the the funny reactions from Quake, which <laughs> your fa your facial acting is so good. Thank I you so much. I love it so much. It makes me so happy. Like the little smirks, the eyes, you know, like the, the when the characters are talking to each other, just the way they, <laughs> they react to each other is so good. Thank you uh, so much. What's the difference do you see from working with someone like Matt to working with Mark Wade? They, they have a lot of things in common, because also with Mark Wade, the, the first issue of Ant-Man and Wasp, the first part of the adventure ends almost in page five, and then starts another adventure for on almost five or six pages, and then it starts another one, and it doesn't feel like oh, very, very packed and, and exhausting for the reader. It feels natural, and they both have this kind of rhythm for the dialogues, which is incredibly funny yeah. and witty, and with a couple of panels, you get that character. You know, Nadia is that kind of hero, and Scott Lang is that kind of hero, and their interaction, they, well, they don't really get along <laughs> so well, you know, but, you know, they need each other in some kind of way. Yeah. And they have things to work out. They need to sit and talk things. Maybe not sit, maybe just run through the microverse and try not to get killed. But, you know, still 
find a place to talk. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, do you get to play much with because they're both masked characters. Yeah. How are you getting some of that emotion across? Uh, I've been lucky because with with Starlord, for example, you have that mask and you can't you can't do anything you know in terms of expression with that mask. But with uh, Ant Man and Wasp, they have the Googles True. and you have a lot of the mouth part of the mm -hmm. face uncovered. So you have you can have still a lot of emotion moving the brows. And You're, you got good brow. Your brow work, <laughs> I, I, I love it. Your brow work is great. It, it tells so. a lot. I mean, yeah, it tells a lot. I mean, I don't know. Some people say that it's kind of a Mediterranean thing, like talking a lot with the hands and talking a lot with the face. And I don't know if that's true, but I really love that that the characters could be understood without the dialogue. You know, we have the writer and the artist. So you have two powerful sources of telling things to the reader. You have the text and the story and the pacing, and then you have all the other things that can tell you a lot about the characters. The art design, the face expression, the body language, the framing of the shot, the layouting of the page. For example, one, one thing that you asked before, working with a lot of characters in Secret Warriors, really you have to put so many things in panels and in page that Sometimes you can do a lot of, you know, experiments with the layouting of the page. But with Ant-Man and Wasp, I, I have more freedom. Uh, the page has a little more space to breathe in, that, in, that, in those terms. It's incredibly fun. Yeah, I, I imagine. Uh, another thing that I, I've loved seeing, especially in a book like Secret Warriors, where you had uh, creatures and monsters and demons and, and, <laughs> and mutants and inhumans and all that stuff, your designs for, for creatures. <laughs> when you were on Star-Lord, you know, like aliens, you you're get gonna, a lot, you get to play gonna, a lot. You're going to love yeah. this, because in the second issue of Ant-Man and Wasps, Mark Waits in the script. So we have this kind of alien race, it's not exactly alien because they live in the microverse, but this is a gag. We're doing a, we're doing a joke here. And you have to design these people as less human as you can do it. So I thought of potatoes. So <laughs> you're gonna have, you're gonna have a potato-like alien race that only has two emotional states. They are calm or they are hysterical. <laughs> They have no middle ground. <laughs> and also they have that, okay, they are now appearing like military aliens with a big machine. How do you make a potato look like a military potato? And I said, well, you have to put a helmet on it. <laughs> so you're going to have hysterical potatoes with helmets. And I mean, come on. I, I, I say this now. I challenge our listeners to... Get some potatoes, put some helmets on them, take some photos. If you, if you listeners <laughs> out there, send us, send them to me. You know, tweet them hashtag This Week in Marvel. Send some pictures. I will share it with Javier and Mark. Please. Who's your editor on the book? The editor. We have Jordan White for the first issue, and now we're having Nick Lowe. Nick Lowe. Uh, share with Nick. Do, did you guys name the the race? Yeah, they are the. That's Wade said. They are the Sargs. Sargs. Yeah, but the good thing about the creative partnership is that they throw you the beginning of a joke, then you continue the joke, but then Mark Wade took the joke again, and he's running with the potato theme thing. So we're kind of having like a lot of potato-shaped things in the comic. And then I said, well, if they are potato-like 
kind of alien, maybe we, they could design things shaped and as other vegetables. So <laughs> <laughs> things are... I just snorted. <laughs> things for the third issue, we're having really crazy stuff going on, oh, design-wise. I am very excited. Uh, this is this is gonna be fun. I talked to Mark about the book in January, and just you know, with his knowledge of physics and and your yeah. design, like I, it's just gonna be fun. Yeah, and in the, the color artist, a friend said that coloring comics is like music in movies, and I say that maybe the movie is not so good, but if the soundtrack is like terrific, it's amazing. You're gonna pull a tear out of me. A great soundtrack, it's essential for a good movie for me. And a good color in a comic, it's essential for the, making the whole experience like a knockout, to knock it out of the park. And Israel Silva is really making an amazing job because Mark has brought like a strong sense of real physics knowledge into the comic. So the microverse doesn't look like out of the space. It's like really crazy filled with fireworks instead of stars, and it's really, really, really crazy. And Israel took that and said, yeah, so the microverse is not like space, it's like space, but really crazy. Let's go and take this color palette and make this insane. And it's really fun and really colorful and bright and dazzling, and it's really killing it. Yeah, I think that works really well with your art too. Like Secret Warriors, it pops. It's yeah. the you know good coloring is. Oh, man, it's it's essential. A yeah. good color match. It's the best. Yeah. So you're also you're you're a young gun, which is really fun, exciting it's time. Incredible. Yeah, it's great. So congratulations on all your success. Thanks this so is much. not the end. No. So much. Not more. at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> where are where can, <laughs> yeah, where can fans find you on social media online find you know chat with you about your work yeah of course uh, they can find me on twitter it's at javier garron in twitter and because i'm a mess i don't have a facebook account or an instagram account because i get distracted so easily Okay. I mean, with, uh, with comic news, with music news, with movie news, with my imaginary cat that I don't have. We need to get you a, a, that imaginary cat. Yeah. There's got to be an imaginary adoption agency. Imaginary, I need to, to adopt an imaginary pork. Now I want to see a, like a webcomic strip of your pork and your cat. Let's do that. No, you, you have real, like, Marvel work. I am not going to be the one who distracts you from your career. Yeah. Don't put this on me. But the idea is so good. I mean, oh, come on. Oh, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's, gonna be, it's been amazing. It's been great. Time for us to get to our community before that. Jamie, I know you finished Marvel's Luke Cage season two and yeah, you nearly did. spoiled a major event <laughs> for so my sorry. wife. I had to separate yeah. that conversation from happening. I saw her. She's like, what? What? And I was like, oh, um, um, yeah, villains being villains. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. But it's did you see that one. Kristen Ritter will be directing an episode of Marvel's Jessica Jones season three? I did. I'm very excited. I loved season two of Jessica Jones because it was, you can see the difference when women direct. We, we do things, we see things a little differently. And I'm really excited to see this very trained, experienced, awesome actress lend her eye to this and her know-how. I feel like directing is a very natural thing for actors to want to do because 
they all they all they also want to do is shape a story. A lot of actors become writers, and to be a director when you've been on so many sets, it just it seems like the natural next step. So I'm really psyched to see what Kristen Ritter does with her character and all the other characters on Marvel's Jessica Jones. We also, uh, before we dive into the rest of the community, we had uh, Simone Missick along with Angelique Roche on a recent episode of Women of Marvel podcast. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Simone Missick as Misty is the best. Uh, on to our community. First up is Simon Williams. Simon says he enjoyed Wakanda Forever, number one. He would have wanted to see uh, what it would have been like if Miles was Spider-Man instead of Peter in the story. That would be an interesting one, too. 100%. Intriguing. Yeah. Uh, and he says, reading Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number 32, I'm already liking Princess as a villain for Lunella. Great. Also, I hope we start to learn more about how Lunella's powers work. Word. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. Like the... like. Will she be able to control the transformation and the the switcheroo with Devil? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I, I love Lunella so much. Yeah. Raph coming in with uh, saying, in Marvel's location, they talk about a Detective O'Reilly in New Orleans. Is that what? the same O'Reilly as in Marvel's Cloak and Dagger? Bridget O'Reilly? Mm. Mm. Intriguing. Hashtag is all connected, question mark? Oh. Oh, we didn't do a question of the week. How about uh, what has been your favorite comic of the year so far? Let's do a celebration Give it to of us. good, fun stuff. We'll talk about that next week. Use the hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. We'll pull those for the big 350th episode. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jamie. This is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.